we were talking about Joseph. I've been locked into Joseph in my studying. Can't get away from it. People have their favorite accounts in the Bible. Joseph is one of mine because it's so rich, and he goes through so many things. And you have such a detailed account of where he was, where God took him. You see some character flaws in him. You see how God's plan goes out through years, how God doesn't let go, how God looks out for people. You see forgiveness. You see all these things at play. And one of the things that was mentioned the last time we spoke about Joseph was the fact that the favor of God is not hidden. From the very first time that I learned about Joseph, I was a young child, and it was all about that coat, that coat of many colors that his father gave him. Every time that I would think of Joseph, I would think of that coat. We were reminded of the fact that what the father places on you is not hidden. What the Father puts on you is not this secret thing that God is not a God to bless and to keep it hidden. He's not ashamed of you and he's not ashamed of his interaction with you. I'm reminded of something as I'm studying. And it's so weird the places that things I'm reminded of go. So I'll just throw it in as I wrote it in the notes. I was thinking about paintball. Um... With paintball, some people will go. When do you want to go paintball again, Bobby? Soon? I thought never would be the answer after she went last time. (laughs) So with paintball, it's a fun activity for some people, but the truth is that a paintball gun shoots at approximately 270 feet per second, something about the size of a gumball, and when it hits you, it hurts. It is a battle, right? And if you get shot with a paintball, it's very motivating. You don't want to get shot again, and you kind of want to shoot at people. <laughs> we had a bachelor party for a, a young man that was getting married. And church bachelor parties typically are either paintball or Applebee's, right? Because that's just how it rolls. And so we decided against Applebee's, and we went paintballing. And there was a guy, his name, many of you know him, Steve Shepard. And Steve is a mountain of a man. I mean, what's Stevie? He's got to be 6'2", at least, right? 6-4. And so we're going to play paintball, and so we're devising strategy, and we're in our huddle, and we're deciding what we're going to do, okay? And Steve is over to the side. He's like, got my plan. And I'm like, okay, got his plan. Here was his plan. When the whistle blows, there are two ways to win at paintball. Number one is to capture the flag. Number two is to eliminate all the other players. Not being dumb. If I'm dressed up like that, I'm not going after a flag. Somebody's getting welts. It's going to be on. Here's what happened. Whistle goes off. Here's Steve. His plan was to run down the middle of the field and grab the flag. Steve made it about 10 steps, and all you heard was just, and Steve... It was blue paint, like 6'4 of Smurf on that day. Dude got destroyed. Here's what it told me. A battle requires strategy. It requires strategy. Whether it be at Pinnacle Woods or it be in the spiritual, it requires strategy. We've heard this word favor. And one of the things in church that I'm kind of big on now is we throw around words and we forget what they mean. So favor. Looked it up. Here were some definitions of favor. Divine kindness. True compassion. Demonstrated delight. God stepping into someone's situation to make a destiny-affirming difference. 
God positioning us to be his choice. We can get confused when it comes to favor because we can talk about the fact that a lot of times favor, we think that it's something that if we're faithful, then people will show us favor. That's our human view of it. God favor is something that rests on you because you're his own. It's something that he looks at you and he tailor makes it and he said, this is what I want to place on my own. So there's this verse that keeps coming up. Verse we've all heard before, but I got to throw this in. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a key passage in the Bible that's talking about spiritual armor coming up, right? But we need to remember this because what I'm going to tear into, it's only going to take a couple of minutes, but I hope that you get it into your spirit. Some of us here, this is tailor-made. When I was writing it, I had to stop a few times because I felt like God would just check me and say, go do something else. Let this simmer. Let this marinate and come back on it. Genesis 37, the story of Joseph. Here's the cliff notes. He was a favored son. He was the son of his father's old age. He brought a bad report about his brothers. His brothers hated him. His brothers got to the point where they could not even speak peaceably to him, the Bible says. He shares a dream, and they hate him even more. He shares a second dream, and it made his dad and his brothers angry. But here's something that stuck with me, and it's this verse 37 and 11, the end of that verse says, but his father kept the matter in mind. I think it's vital for you to hear that. The father kept the matter in mind. At verse 37, 12, the father asks Joseph to go and to check on his brothers. Joseph steps forward. Joseph goes to look for his brothers. Joseph gets a little sidetracked. Joseph is guided to where his brothers are. This is where we pick up. In verse 37, 18, the brothers are looking, and the Bible says, and when they saw him afar off. 37, 19 uses this wording. This is after they've hatched this plot that they're going to do bad things to Joseph. They say, look, this dreamer is coming. We shall see what will become of his dreams. I've got to read that because someone is sitting here in this place and they're thinking that I have been under such spiritual attack. I have had conversations with people who have said, you know what, everything seemed to be going fine until I started coming back to church. Everything was going well until I started pressing into God and now look at my life. These are things that people have said. And, and it's true, like looking at their circumstance, right? They press into God and it seems to get harder. And they don't understand what's going on. I have this jacket. Don't know where it came from. My favorite jacket, right? And when I put this jacket on, I'm just like, let's go do something. I mean, it's going to smell like gunpowder. It's going to get mud on it. It's going to, like, this is my jacket. And so when I'm just kind of feeling, I can't even put a jacket on. When I'm just kind of feeling like, I had to call you up, Tim. Help me put a jacket on, man. 
I mean, it's just, this is my, this is my gear. Like Indiana Jones with his whip. When I put this on, it's on, right? I remember we were at a church thing, and I had this on, and this person who was pretty high in the state, they came and they saw it, and they're like, is that a costume? And I'm just like, oh, no, not today, devil, not today. (laughs) Back to the sermon. When the favor is upon you, they can see it coming. When the favor is upon you, they can see it coming. It precedes you. And here's the thing, reading that story. Some people would say, duh, no wonder they saw him because he was in a brightly colored coat. We can get confused and we can think that they saw him coming because what he was wearing. What is inside you precedes you. What God has placed in you is what precedes you. It wasn't as much them knowing, seeing him. It's that it drove the enemy crazy, his presence, because he knew there were destiny seeds inside of Joseph. And so when he's coming over the hill, the enemy's whispering to him. Psst, here he comes. It has nothing to do with the coat. It has to do with the favor that's upon him. I say that because the God things that are within you, they surround you and go before you. We read in Acts chapter 5 how people would wheel sick people out into the streets so that Peter's shadow could pass over them. Was it about the shadow or was it about the anointing? The God that I serve makes sure that it's not about what we're wearing but it's about what he put in us. Favor will precede God's own. And you know what? When the devil gets mad, it's okay. I need to say that to someone because honestly, when people say that, like maybe I should stop going to church and things will get better. And they're saying that because they're up against a battle. And my advice is you never needed family more than you do right now. Press in. You never needed people in your corner more than you do right now. Press in. Little aside, speaking about the brothers, we know the story, right? If you don't know the story, the brothers are going to throw him in a hole. Spoiler. We, as God's body, need to stop being the devil's errand boys and girls. He's whispering this garbage, but does it say the devil showed up and kicked him in a hole? No, it says his brothers did that. The devil specializes in division. He specializes in you questioning what is true. He wants to get in your ear and say to you, yeah, those people. That's what happened here. But here's the point you need to get to. You need to remind the devil that there came a point when you were redeemed that you turned in your resignation. You no longer work for him. You don't subcontract for him. You don't have anything to do with him. You work for God now, and you're going to do it God's way. So the enemy, here's the enemy. Ryan is something else. Wow. It's like preaching ADD, but I'm going to be straight up with you. This is how my mind works. Pete Rose, hit king. 4,256 hits. Never inducted into the Hall of Fame. Does anyone know why? He bet on games. 
the devil is a betting enemy. This is where it's going to sting a little, but I love you. He's a betting enemy, but he tips his hand. What fuel did he use to fire up the brothers? What were the words that came out of their mouths in those verses? Here comes the dreamer. All their hatred wrapped in this, and it ends with, we shall see what will become of those dreams. Here's what he's betting. Part of that story before he gets thrown in the hole is that the coat's taken. It's taken off of him. I'm sure it wasn't gently like, come here, Joseph. Let me just get that one arm at a time. I'm sure it was destroyed. Here's what the devil's doing. He is trying to get you to attach your idea of God's favor to the temporal. He is willing to bet that if the coat is taken, you won't feel like you can do it anymore. That if you feel like God's favor means A, B, and C, that if he attacks A, then it's going to cause you to stumble and you're going to walk away. His game is one that he knows you're God's favorite, but he's going to always go after those temporal things. And my advice to you is never let go when the devil says let go. Hold on tightly. Hold on tightly. And I say that because some of us here, and I'm just going to be straight up in the pressing in, when you decide as a family to press into God, He's going to come at your kids like never before. And he's going to chirp in your ear. Press into God, will you? <laughs> when you decide at work that you're going to take a stand because you've been like espionage Christian for a couple years, he's going to double down on it. Oh, new policy. Did you see that? It says here you can mention anything else but not Jesus. And you're like, oh, well, there's my confirmation. Better not rock the boat. The favor is not attached to the temporal. And if you are going through something, there's something in the Bible. And they would say he's the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob. But maybe we need to add on to that. And he's the God of Job too. What I go through will not make me turn my back on the God that I know has my best interest at heart. What I walk through, I will walk through holding his hand. Here's the truth about the devil. He is a liar. And here's the truth about a liar. They can't keep their lies straight. And at a certain point, if you have watched any, some of you are true crime junkies in here. If you have watched any show, you know how it goes down in the interrogation room. At a certain point, the liar lets the truth slip. So in those words that we hear, in all the twisting, in all the deception, in all the sowing discord that the enemy was doing with that family, the enemy did not proofread the script that he handed to those boys when he fired them up. And the very words that they spoke about the dreamer and about seeing what would happen to his dreams would be speaking destiny of who that man would become. 
it blesses me because in a second, I'm going to ask you a question. May not be an easy question to answer. If the enemy goes after blank, then I will turn my back on God. No one would fill in that blank. But the very battle of faith that you are in right now is filling in that blank on a daily basis. You may not turn away and say, I don't believe in him, but you may begin to make statements like, well, I, I don't know if, if he really does care. Well, I don't know if he really does heal. Well, I don't know if he really does look out for my children. I guarantee that in those moments that when we're honest, God is closer than ever before. Than ever before. In all of the things that the devil tried to do, in your God story, I'm going to ask you this right now, which God truths are being weaponized by the enemy against you? Because they weren't saying, oh my gosh, it's the dreamer. They're like, it's the it was in derision. It was a stone being thrown his way. Which things, God, destiny stories, is the devil taking and throwing at you like a rock? Which destiny absolutes are being twisted into lies right before your face? As God's people, it's time to stop asking the devil what God said. It's time to stop asking him permission for my heart to receive it. It's time for us to begin to hear the voice of truth and to remember what God did say, what God did declare, what God said that no one can tell me that I made a mistake. It's time to replay it. When my son was young, he had this little elephant in his crib, and you'd spin the belly, and it would play a song. And I'll tell you what, it played at 12 noon, and it played at 12 midnight, and it played at 2 in the morning. It played whenever. And we'd be laying in bed thinking, he's asleep, and you'd hear, ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding. I am telling you with the devil, that's how I want my God declarations to be. As soon as he starts thinking, oh, he's given up. No, my God can. My God said it. My God's going to do it. Replay it. Replay it. Repeat it. Transparent moment before we end. There are days that it cannot be easy to pastor. It's a good way to say it. It was an awkward way, but it, it can be tough. There are some days when you come in and you have been informed of how you dropped the ball, how you didn't minister well to someone in their time of need, how you aren't cutting it. Uh, I'm saying this about another pastor. This isn't me. But one of the things that I know, I know, was a God thing. If you go to leave, walk by my office door.
on that door, there are a couple post-it notes. It's not from Tim Hill. It's not from Steve Furtick. It's from little kids. It says, you're doing a good job. It says, I'm glad you're my pastor. And there are days, you know, when you stand there in front of that door and you're getting ready just to, to jump into it. Feel like you're going to jump out the door of an airplane, you know, like it's skydiving, like here it goes, here's Monday. And God knows, and the God truth, it comes from all different directions. Are you going to let it speak to you as simple as it may be? Are you going to let the devil write the script? I end on this. There's a place in Chardon that I see when I go to get gas. It's by Sheets. It's called the Winner's Club. It's a sweepstakes place. I would wager to say that not everyone who goes there wins because they couldn't afford their rent. Some people probably lose. It's a place where you gamble and you do sweepstakes or whatever. The other day when I was getting gas, I was just thinking about some of the things that some of the church family is going through. And a movie scene came to my mind. So I was just thinking about the devil and just sometimes I'll just say, you know, what you think is winning, devil, it's not winning. You're just riling up the faithful. That's all you're doing. You're just riling up the faithful. And there is a scene from a movie that came to mind. One of my favorite movies. Gladiator. And in the movie Gladiator, you had this Caesar, Joaquin Phoenix, knocked it out of the park in this. Give me that Joaquin thumb one. <laughs> you know, and at the end of a battle, the Caesar would come out and the Caesar would stand. Depending on how Caesar felt, it, his thumb goes this way, you die. His thumb goes this way, you live. And spiritually speaking, I feel like that's where the devil has kind of, in a Pavlov's dog kind of way, trained us as Christians. This is how we see him. It's almost like, don't kick the hornet's nest. Don't tread on him too much because he may do this. But what's awesome, and one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when you have Decimus. Maximus Meridius. Maximus Decimus Meridius. All the decimals in order, however you say his name. He's battled. He's lost everything. He's standing before this Caesar who has no idea who his name is, you know. And he is in a place they've taken his family, they've taken his position, they've taken everything from him. He is relegated to fighting for his life inside this thing. And this Caesar's like, I want to see who this man is. He has his mask on. When he has his mask on, he goes to walk away because he can't stand this guy who has ruined his life. And the guy says to him, slave, do not turn your back to me. And so he turns around with, and he takes his mask off. 
And the look on the Caesar's face went from the confidence of, oh, <laughs> to shock, to the blood just running out of his head almost, like, what's going on? And the guy who plays Gladiator, he says this line, he says, the time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end. I believe that within the church, the enemy has gotten comfortable doing the same kind of thing every once in a while. And we have gotten to a place where he has led us to believe that he has more control than he really has control. And I think that when some things happen that are called life and are called battles, that we like to give the devil more credit than he deserves. And I believe that as he begins to attack the temporal things, that he watches us shrink back because we're afraid there may be more where that came from. I'm thinking that when we begin to step toward destiny, his plan is to hit me hard and put me back in my place. I think that he wants to hit me using glimpses of the very destiny that God made for me before my heart began to beat, the blueprints that were written before I took my first breath. He wants to use those things to batter me and push me back into my corner, but my God is bigger. He wants to condition us as a church to shrink back when those words hit our ears. But to quote that movie, enemy, your time for honoring yourself will soon come to an end. Do you know why? Because my father has kept the matter in mind. Oh, he's attacking my mind. He's attacking my heart. But the destiny was never birthed out of my mind or my heart. It was birthed in the throne room. My Lord, it was always his. He has never gotten confused. He has never gotten sidetracked. He has never second-guessed. With any lie that has been spoken, he has doubled down on destiny when it comes to his people. And I'm telling you now that when it comes to those ideas, when it comes to favor and those things, your father has not forgotten the matter. You have the mind of Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are called. You are loved. You are built different to throw that one in there. You are here to be used for God's glory and to mess up the enemy's batting average. That is who you are in Jesus' name. If you will stand, what we need to do is we need to kind of draw some lines here for the enemy. It's time as a church to step forward. It is time. You have within you everything 
that God has placed and equipped you with, I know it can be easy to shrink back because I've done it. I've done it. But in this moment, if you will bow your heads. Father, this is your house. I call out right now, destiny. I would remind everyone here that even though the bruises may have come from those that they trusted and that they loved, that we do not fight against flesh and blood. That our fight is not against the person next to us, the person in our family. Our fight is not there. But Father, I pray that you would remind them where the fight is and who wins the fight and who has the unlimited strength for any battle, who has destiny in mind and who holds my hand and fights with the other. This is your house. I speak life over every situation that feels like it is dying. Enemy, you don't get a foothold. In the name of Jesus, I speak strength and I speak future. Amen.